There are lots of books, loads of Christian books about loads of stuff, and there are some Christian books. There are some Christian books about marriage. And so if you've got lots of questions, just go buy some and read them. They are helpful. I never read thick books. People who know me know I don't read thick books. I like thin books, okay, because I get through them. And they're understandable. And here is a book that was written by a man called Selwyn Hughes. Some of you might know that name. And it's called Ten Principles of a Happy Marriage. You go, oh, I don't know about a happy marriage. I just want to survive. I want to be successful in my marriage. So I'm not sure about the word happy. Okay, but anyway, I won't go there this morning. But you want the... We want the wedding to be, or the marriage to be blessed of God. That they will know the blessing of God. And sometimes you have to go through some very difficult things. And it's hard to make some decisions... And it's not about always being happy, it's about doing the right thing, because doing the right thing will invoke the blessing of God, not necessarily always being happy, but we still want you to be happy as well. Okay. Uh, Selwyn Hughes, um, founder of Crusade for World Revival, some of you might have known of that ministry. Uh, he wrote the daily devotions, uh, Every Day with Jesus, maybe you've read some of those devotional books. He wrote over 50 books in his time. Uh, if you ever met him or heard him preach, had a wonderful spirit about him, a real encourager, a very uh, gracious man. Of course, he was a Welshman, I don't have to say that. <laughs> Selwyn Hughes, no more, what do you expect? Uh, George Carey said about him, he was great in the faith, one of the previous Archbishops of Canterbury. He's passed away now, he died in about 2006, but he lived a good 70, 80 years and served God with his life. In his book, he puts ten principles of having a happy marriage. You all know what they are? Might as well get you off to a good start. Okay. <laughs> These are the different chapters in the book. I'm not going to be going through them all. I want to take one and just one part of that and encourage you in that this morning. Okay. Ten things. Ten principles. Keep God-centered as you build your relationship. If you leave God out, it's a recipe for disaster. So keep him there. Maintain the proper scriptural roles. Okay, there are things that men do and there are things that women do. We are living in a crazy world. Men don't even know they're men anymore. And women don't even know they're women anymore. And some mix it up from week to week and change it over. I don't know where they're going in this, but this is going to lead to a lot of trouble. Keep the lines of communication continually open. No silent treatment, no huffs. Just keep talking, keep talking. Understand the concept of basic personal needs. You're going to have to find out about women. I know it's a bit tricky, but you have to try and understand them. And you as well, you've got to find out about men and try and understand their basic needs. Live within your budget. That's always a smart thing to do. So many marriages just get in such strife about money. Try to live within the budget. Establish clear guidelines for handling friction. Okay, I don't know if you're very frictious people, but you have to have guidelines within these things. Cultivate a good sexual relationship. Shall I say that one again? Yes, please. Yes? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was quick on that one, wasn't he? <laughs> Cult 
cultivate a good sexual relationship. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Extend common courtesies towards each other. Don't take each other for granted. Okay. You don't do that with other people. Don't do it with your partner. Seek to become emotionally mature. You have to grow up in this thing. Share together in daily Bible reading and prayer. Okay, now some people do this really well, other people just do it a little bit, but at least every now and again you should be reading something together and spend some time praying together. I'm just going to take uh, the third one that we looked, uh, or I mentioned to you there. Keep the lines of communication continually open. What does this chapter in here encourage? It encourages three things. Talk to each other continually. It's terrible, you know, if your wife finds out something from somebody else about what you've done. That's, that's bad, okay? So you have to keep telling her, keep talking to her, okay? Even if she doesn't want to know, keep talking to her, okay? Listen to each other carefully. You must listen, okay? When someone's talking, you put the phone down. You don't try and do the phone thing and listen at the same time. It don't work. And try to understand not just what your partner is saying, but why they're saying what they're saying. There's a, there's a verse in the Old Testament. It's probably NIV. says, listen carefully. But the, the, uh, the author says, listen, listening. Listen listening to what's being said not just the words but what's coming from the heart of the person I want to look at listening do you know listening and hearing are not the same thing if it was there wouldn't be two words would there listening is making an effort to hear see you could be hearing me this morning because you're not deaf and you've got two ears so you're hearing what I'm saying, but are you listening to me? You might be on your phone. You might be thinking about something else. You might be planning for this afternoon, or there's a problem in your head that you're, you're trying to work through. You're not listening. We should listen. Hearing isn't sufficient. We should learn to listen to what's being said. We need to listen to God need to listen to members of our family, our wife, our husband. We need to listen to everyone when they're talking. I now, if I'm talking to someone and they are distracted and look away or pick up their phone, I stop talking immediately. Immediately. Because they're not giving me their attention. It's not fair. Why would I waste the words? If people aren't attentive and they don't want to know, they don't care what I say, why would I keep on talking? We have to listen. How might we improve our listening skills? Just three things that might help you. Don't interrupt the person who's speaking. If someone's speaking to you, listen to what they're saying. Don't stop them in full flight. Sometimes the thing that they say last is the most important thing of the sentence that they're saying. So listen to everything without interrupting. The second rule is, if someone's talking to you, 
I don't want you to be thinking about the answer you're going to give them while they're still talking to you because you're not listening to what they're saying. Sometimes they start, there are three or four or five words in it, and you go, I know what I'm going to say, and you're thinking the answer. But in thinking the answer, you're not listening to what they have to say. They haven't got to the most important bit that you need to listen to. So stop thinking of what you're going to say. It'll slow the process down, but that's good. I think we should slow the process down anyway in conversation. I was in Scotland last weekend, or I would have been here and done that the day after, so I am sorry about that. And I went to my son's church, where Luke is there, and the pastor, um, he spoke really fast. And he was really uh, a smart guy, so the choice of his words and the way that he described it, they were really good. But as I looked around the congregation, I saw a lot of poor people my son lives in Leith, outside of Edinburgh. This is a slightly poorer area. But there were people with real serious social or problems, you know. And when we came out, Luke said, well, what did you think? I said, Luke, it was good. It was really good. But I would go to the pastor and say, you need to speak slower. <laughs> and maybe use words that maybe this congregation will understand. Because... Christian preaching, there are some concepts you have to get hold of. And if somebody is speaking so fast, you can miss it. You just don't get it. You don't even understand some of the words that are being used. So in conversation, slow stuff down. And what I found is, sometimes when I'm listening to somebody, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, what do you think about what they're saying? Can you help me here? You can do that. You can listen and still be open to the Spirit giving you some truth or some wisdom as you listen to what's going on. So to sum these three up, and then we move on to the others after we've done this. Listening means you become more conscious of what the other person is saying than you are of yourself. Say that again. Listening means you become more conscious of what the other person is saying than you are of yourself. You are never the most important person. It is always the other party. You are to prefer others above yourself. You're to listen, listening, carefully, to what people say. Now, listening to God. Not hearing God. I'm not talking about hearing God. God is speaking all the time. You can hear God all of the time. He speaks to our heart. He doesn't speak to our ears. But because we know the scriptures or because we're in prayer to God, God speaks into our heart. Do you know he sings over you? When did you last hear him singing over you? It says in Zechariah, sometimes just sit down quietly and hear God singing over you. What do you think he's singing? I love you. You're the apple of my eye. You're a treasured possession to me. I delight in you. You're wonderful. I think we should stop sometimes and listen more carefully. 
not simply hearing, but listen to what God is saying. Can I say that God is a perfect communicator? Well, you say you can fill it because God is perfect, therefore everything God does is perfect. And he is perfect in communicating to us. He created us. all this technical stuff. This isn't on yet. Come on, get on with it. <laughs> Hello. Oh, okay. So God is a perfect communicator. He created us and not said to run around in the world and get on with things and every now and then I might say something to you. He will talk to you. This is terrible, Sam. <laughs> anyway, we'll persevere as we do in life, in marriage, in life, in church, because of it. Okay, right. So God, God loves us, and if we really love someone, we want to communicate to them, and God wants to communicate. He does communicate all the time. I was thinking, he, cre- he communicates through angels, didn't he, remember? Then he communicated through the prophets, then he communicated through his son, then he communicated through the Holy Spirit, and then the Word of God... And then he sent apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists and teachers to communicate again. He's a communicating God. Some Bible wisdom on listening to God. Not so much hearing. He assumes that we are hearing him because Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. You you should be hearing him. So what does it come to listening? It says in Matthew chapter 13, if you have your Bibles there, it's, it's the, I'm only going to read two or three verses. It's the parable of the sower. Remember the parable of the sower? He goes out and sows seeds. And Jesus said this. He says, if you don't get this parable, you won't get any other parables. So we need to get grips of what this one is. In verses 10 to 12 of chapter 13... He's told the parable to the crowds that are there. And then the disciples come to him. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Have you ever asked that question? Why didn't you just say it like it is, Lord? Why do you speak in story form, in parables? Now, I'll tell you something. Some people write things about the Christian faith that are really wrong. So you need to be very careful uh, what you're reading. Let me show you what the editor of this book says. And this book is the Bible. He's just got editor's notes in it. Let me read this to you. This is what he says about this verse. He says, an illiterate society 
Are you kidding? You think we're smarter than the people that when Jesus was around? I don't think so. I think we're just as smart or as illiterate as they were. Like much of Palestine in Jesus' day, passed down wisdom in the form of proverbs and stories. Everybody likes a story, and stories are easier to remember than concepts of logical outlines. Jesus spoke in terms that would hold the interests of a society of farmers and fishermen, and about 30 of his masterful parables, stories with a point, have survived in the Gospels. They're saying that Jesus spoke in parables because people at the time were thick. What a lot of tosh that is. I mean, I respect the man and his notes and things, but really, Jesus answered the question. So why is he suggesting another answer when Jesus has told them what the answer is? Jesus said, this is why I speak in parables. Listen, he replied, he's answering the question. The question was, why do you speak in parables? He said, he replied. And there's three parts to the answer that we're going to look at this morning. It says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not them. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to some people, but not everyone. You or them. Are you a you or a them? I have to work that out first this morning. Then he goes on to say, whoever has will be given more, and he will have in abundance. Point two. Point three, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. So do you agree that the authors, the writer, the editors, notes were tosh? I do. I mean, how can you come up with another answer when Jesus has given the answer to the question? Why would you come up with another one? Jesus was doing the talking after all. Three points then. Let's take the first one. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Who are the you's and who are the them's? Are you a you this morning, or a them? Now, he was talking to the apostles, so he was referring to them as the you's. And them's were somebody else. Can I suggest to you this morning, that if your heart's desire and your life's passion is to glorify God and nothing else, you're a you. If your heart's desire and your life's passion is to glorify yourself, you're one of them. See, the whole purpose of your life is to glorify God. Never to glorify self. Never to get something for ourselves. Never to build our kingdom, our empire, my reputation, what you think of me. No. We do things so we glorify God in our lives. I'm sure you've all prayed at some time for some money, yes? God to bless you with money. Was the money that you were praying for to glorify God or yourself? I'll give you five little scenarios here. 
I won't judge them. You judge yourself against these pictures and see what you come up with. You say, God, I want you to give me some money because I want to bless my friend with a special gift because she has been so kind to me. You glorifying yourself or God? Number two, I'm tired with my car and I want to replace it with a new one. You glorifying yourself or glorifying God? I want to bless my family with a holiday they had such a difficult year. Glorifying God or self? I really admire what my church is doing in the community. I want to increase my giving. Glorifying God or oneself? I really appreciate fine art and a famous painting is available for only £2,000. I must have it. Glorifying God or glorifying yourself? Are you a you or a them? Why are you here this morning? Is it for you or God? See, if we go home and can criticise everything we've heard, you didn't come to glorify God. You come to glorify yourself and because you didn't feel glorified, you went home and complained about it. <laughs> but if you came to glorify God, and we sang to God, and we told him how much we loved him, and declarations were made from the front, and the preacher exalted his name. God is glorified. That's it. Oh, I didn't like that. I didn't like this. This was too loud. This was too... Come on now. Are you one of them, or are you? We always need to be a you. Second part, whoever has will be given more... And he will have in abundance. Oh, that's good. God's always doing this. If, if you don't, he gives you less or takes it away. But if you do the right thing, he gives you more stuff. When God speaks to us and tells us to do something, and we listen, we must do the thing he tells us to do. Because if we do the thing he tells us to do, he'll then give us step two. But if we don't do step one, why would he give us step two? He won't. So he gives you step one, and when you do that, he gives you step two, which moves on to step three and four and five and six and seven. And the steps that we take always, always lead to an abundance. Always. So we mustn't ignore what he's telling us to do. Five years ago, when I was here and working with you, I asked God one day, what do you want us to do with a cafe, God? With Cafe Rendezvous, what do you want us to do with it? And it was so clear, many of you know what God said. He said, I want you to give everything away. Give it away. Freely you have received, freely give. No longer charge for anything. I did that, or we did that. It's not me on my own. It's never me on my own. You're never on your own. Then I said to God, God, what do you want us to do with the cafe? We've done that. What's step two? He said, I want you to open the doors because this is my place. 
And I want people to come in to this place. Do you know, over those five years, there were over 50, 50 groups and ministries that used this cafe. 50 groups. I thought, I need to write all these down because I'm not quite sure how many. And I got to 50. Some went all the way through. Some started and stopped. There were all sorts of different ministries that went on in this place over five years. I said, what about this abundant blessing, God? You said, whoever has will be given more. I've done said too. And he will have an abundance. Well, financially, the coffee shop paid for itself. There was a blessing there. But that wasn't the abundance that God was talking about. Thousands of people walked through those cafe doors in five years. We had, sometimes we would do a count of how many people came in the evenings and through the day, and the average was about 200 people. That's a thousand people a year. If you open it for five years, that's 5,000 people coming through the doors of that cafe to meet with God. To meet with the love of God and the grace of God and the power of God. But this is better than this. You think, that's an abundant blessing. We touch the lives of thousands of people. Do you know we touch the lives of people all over the world through this cafe? Thousands and thousands of people were touched all over the world by the testimony of what went on here. Do you want me to read some to you? I've got 22 here. I won't read 22. They come from all parts of the world of what people thought about this and how it blessed them. Hi there. I think giving free meals and coffee is a wonderful way to take care of the hungry and thirsty before sharing the gospel. Jesus always met the hungry needs before healing or preaching. People need to see the love you portray first and then share the good news of salvation if I ever get to London, I will look you all up. Keep doing the great ministry you're doing. God bless you all. That's David Street from Maryland in the USA. The guy, he's never been here. Don't have to come. God is blessing. You think, you see, as we turn up day by day and these precious elderly people who were serving the coffee and doing all that stuff, you didn't know that the testimony of this place would be taken out throughout the world and thousands of people beyond the doors of this place would be blessed as we obeyed God. <coughs> See, the abundance is not in what we get. The abundance is in the blessing that other people get. It's like this knock-on effect of blessing. Hello. I was interested in knowing how you operate the cafe. It mentioned that God was calling you to do something radical, making everything on the menu free. I see so many rewarding things to do in this, especially in our community. 
as it is sadly declining. Please share with me any details you can provide so that we can bring hope and fellowship to our church and community. Best regards and thank you in advance. Hello. I was in London over the weekend for vacation, Middlesex area, walking through Horsindon Park with my cousin's dog. Today I was reading our daily bread and they mentioned London's Café Rendezvous. Is this it? I live in Canada and I plan to return to London in the spring. I would love to pass this information on to my cousins and his wife, who are not believers, as well for myself to enjoy when I return. I would also like to attend a church service when I return. Hello, I'm writing from Ottawa, Canada. I read about your cafe. I'm in a community uh, mental health nurse who is active in the local Anglican church in, in, in my little town. As everywhere, we are a community where many people are facing mental health concerns and I would love to see a cafe like yours start in our community. This is Mary. She writes this. Wow! I read about Cafe Rendezvous today. I don't want you to learn more, so I visited your website. Wow! I just spent 15 minutes exploring your ministries. You're doing wonderful things for the kingdom of God, and I am in awe. God is always at work, and you have joined him in so many wonderful ways. It's 8.30 here. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, United States, and I just wanted to know, uh, to know that what you're doing at your church is awesome and really encourages me as a believer. I will be praying that God keeps doing a great work and maybe one day visit and have a cup of coffee. Hello, your cafe was the subject of my devotional reading in my daily bread for today, 11th of December 2017. After reading it aloud to my wife, I googled the cafe and read more about it. We live in the States. So we can't come for coffee, but we commend you on such an awesome ministry. You've got to give it away to keep it. To the believers at Hope Church, just wanted to drop a note and say thank you for being the light and testimony of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Please let me know how I can donate to your work. Chris. Dear brothers and sisters, I'm so happy for you. God's doing a great job through you. I'm so impressed by you. I'm serving students in Central Asia. I also had a dream to open a cafe where students could come and work and share the gospel. Thank you for everything. Praying for you. Colombo in Sri Lanka. We have a cafe called Hope. Once in our church, your pastor was sharing about Café Rendezvous. We were inspired, and his message confirmed what God had been saying to us. So we went ahead. We obtained a building, we remodelled it, and opened up a Christian café. It is the first Christian café in Colombo. It's a great success. We didn't even go there. 
We didn't even meet these people. Now, I tell you something, if the BBC put a program out and 22 people send emails to the BBC, they take note of 22 emails. We received 22 emails about this cafe. I don't know how many other thousands of people heard about a cafe and were inspired and encouraged. See, God takes little things. As we do the steps, listen and do the steps, he blesses us abundantly. I don't want the abundance on my lap. I don't want God to bless me with wealth and prosperity. I don't need that. I need God to supply me with what I need. But the blessing, the abundant blessing, is that people throughout this world have been blessed abundantly and inspired by what you have done in this place. You did it. You did it. See, God takes the simple things. It's important that we hear what God is saying and do what he says. Now, you might have an idea of what church should be like. That's fine. Is it God's idea? Or is it, are we doing what he's told us to do? He told us to open the silly cafe, didn't he? He told us to give it away. He told us to open our doors. He told us to invite the people in. And thousands of people here and abroad have been blessed by being obedient to God. That's all I'm saying. He's told us to go. Get up and go. The third principle. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. There's a word of warning here. If you start something because God has said, but you lose heart and you don't persevere and press on, even though he's telling you of the next thing and the next thing, he will take away what he once gave you. I'm glad we never stepped back. I'm glad we pressed on in our poverty in our weird little cafe and in our, our precious people that came to serve. It's just hearing and listening and putting into practice what God has said. Well done, Hope. You share in this abundant blessing. These emails weren't to me, they were to this church whether you gave or supported financially or you invested some time or you simply encouraged the people that were doing the work, it's all to your glory. Because God himself has been glorified through this work. Well done for listening and obeying. Well done. That's all you needed to do was listen and take the step forward. Keep up the good work. Continue blessing in small ways and God will multitude, multiply it to reach multiples, thousands of people through simple things. God is pleased with hope. I know you're going through some stuff at present, but keep your eyes fixed on him. Everyone in this place loves Jesus. That's why you're here. 
You didn't come because it's such a super duper fantastic, wonderful, high powered, worship praising, dynamic preaching church. Well, apart from today. No, it's not me. You come because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the bottom line, isn't it? You love him. You love him. That's what brought you here. You love him. And as you listen to him and simply do the next thing he tells you to do on the path, you will know the abundance of his blessing. You don't have to pray for the abundance. It is a covenant promise of God. If we do what he says, we will know his blessing. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, I'm so uh, pleased to be associated with Hope Community Church and all the precious people who have been here over the years and perhaps have moved on. There is something precious about your church, Lord. We can only discover the richness of God in church. And Father, my prayer for this church is that as we move forward, we will all know as we walk in step with what you're telling us to do maybe it'll be difficult maybe it won't be easy but Lord because we're obedient we will know the abundant blessing not to us but to those around who we touch with this wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ we ask it in your name Amen. 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 And Lord, bless this couple today that have uh, made their covenant in front of your people. Lord, we pray for a prosperous, a successful, and a blessed union. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.